Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Hey, take your Bible, Psalm chapter 1. I'm starting a new sermon series this week called Sing a New Song, a journey through our favorite psalms. So the book of Psalms, in case you don't know it, it's, and by the way, it's almost right in the middle of your Bible, Psalm chapter 1, largest book in the Bible, 150 chapters in it. It is a book of songs, hymns, poems, and prayers. It was relevant in the days of um, uh, Hebrew worship. You go all the way back to the Old Testament, the New Testament, relevant as well, referenced many times in the New Testament. Even today, many of the songs, one of our favorite new songs, uh, comes right out of Psalm chapter 34. And so we still sing these today. And so what I want to do, some of these psalm, psalms are very beloved. Some of these you know by heart. And so I'm going to pull out a few of them. And we're going to look at them over the next few weeks. Let's sing a new song. So I want to start with Psalm chapter 1. And I want to preach this subject today. Happy all the time. Happy all the time. Researchers ask people, uh, 100,000 people in America, what has made you happy in the past 24 hours? So they ask 100,000 people, what has made you happy in the past 24 hours? And I want you to think about that for a moment. I'm going to ask you that question in just a moment. And when they ask them that, they just ask them to write it down, what's made you happy in the past 24 hours? They then dissected what people said grammatically, and they begin to categorize it. For example, they looked at subject, verb, and objects. What has made you happy in the past 24 hours? Well, the most used subject by far was the word I. Focus on what happens to us. But if you go on down the line, you see other subjects. I, we, daughter, son, husband, friend, event, wife. Ladies, you're going to step your game up a little bit. Ladies, you came in right above it. It was next on the list. So I don't know what y'all got going on, but step your game up a little bit. So, so what makes us happy? Naturally, it's going to be I. What is the verb? Well, when they looked at the verbs of the sentences, the, verb, the number one verb was got, went, had, made, found, watched, received, took, bought, God is often work-related. We'll show you that in just a moment. What was the object? Well, when you look at the object, you, you start seeing a little bit more diversity. The number one object was me, but then we look at time. Look at the simplicity of this. Time, dinner, home, game, job, car, it, dog, friend, money, movie. It even goes all the way down to the bottom of the list. We get pizza. It's not on the graph. Next would have been Doritos, right, right, down, right down there. And so they took all this together and they made a pie chart out of it. What makes us happy? Researchers use a multi-class classifier to categorize happy moments. The estimates are rough, 
but it provides an idea. What made us happy? Notice the biggest piece of the pie was some kind of achievement in our life uh, uh, makes us happy. Then there was some kind of affection in our life. Most of the time, that affection came from a family member, sometimes from a boyfriend or girlfriend. Sometimes it was enjoying a particular moment. You even saw the word movie in there. Sometimes it was bonding, and that would oftentimes be with family. Sometimes it was leisure, and that would be a vacation or some downtime at home. And the smallest piece of the pie uh, 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 next to the last was nature. And finally, the smallest piece of the pie would have been exercise. And all God's people said amen. All God's chubby, out-of-shape people like me said amen. This is what makes us happy. We have this tendency to always be searching for happiness. And and here's the truth about the majority of us in the room today. We, We are typically looking in all of the wrong places for happiness. You know what I've discovered is that unhappy people look in unhappy places for happiness. And so we're searching for this happiness in our lives. We can't find it because we're, we're always looking where we shouldn't look. Where do we look for happiness? First of all, we'll look for happiness in a purchase somewhere. If I can just buy this, if I can just get this home, if I can just get this car, if I can get, just get this piece of technology, if I can just buy something, if I can just swipe my credit card, surely I'll be happy. But it never everlast. A purchase doesn't make you happy. And so then we start looking for a person. Well, if, if my wife would just straighten up, I would be happy. If my husband would get his act together, I'd be happy. If my kids would quit being little demons, I would be happy. If I just get a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a better boss, and we think a person will bring us happiness. If I could just <laughs> trade out this person for that person, surely I'd find happiness, right? Like I, I made a mistake with this one. If I can get rid of this one and get another one in their place, and again, we're looking in all the wrong places. How about this, a, a paycheck? And by that, I mean money, right? We're always looking for money to make us happy. And you, you know it's true when, when they survey Americans about how much more money do you need to make you happy, the response is always just a little bit more. And it doesn't matter how much money you make. You can be in the lower class financially and all you want is a little bit more. And you can be a millionaire and all you want is just a little bit more. I love what Zig Ziglar said about money. He said, money won't make you happy, but everyone wants to find out for themselves. And then it's, we're looking for some sort of prize to make us happy. What, what do we mean by a prize? By a prize, we mean some kind of job or enhancement in our life that'll, that'll, that'll make us uh, bring happiness into our life. Something that'll, that we can add to our, if I can just get this in my life, then I can be happy all the time. So here's what I want you to do. I, really, I want you to participate. Take out your connection card. Take a pencil, and I want you to take... 15 seconds, and write down the last thing that made you happy. Don't look at me. Look at your card. Take 15 seconds. It's 
Somewhere on the just right. Here's, here's in the last 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours. Now here's the problem with what you're writing down. Unless you tried to Jesus juke me this morning. Reading my Bible and prayer is what made me happy. Tithing this morning made me happy. The chances are what most of us have written down doesn't bring lasting happiness. They actually did the research while they were doing it, and they, they, they calculated how long our happiness lasted. You're, you're not going to believe it. It blew, blew my mind away. Look, look at this. Spending time with family keeps you happy for about four hours, and then it fades. Some family members, it's far less than that. Booking a vacation keeps you happy for about four and a half hours. And by the way, that's not taking the vacation, that's booking it. Research shows we are happier expecting a vacation than we actually are on vacation. Keep you happy for about four and a half hours. Getting home from a vacation, all rested up, lasts about four hours and 13 minutes. Your sports team winning a game, four hours and nine minutes. And if you're a Tennessee fan, a win is when you have more points than the other team. I, I wasn't sure if you knew what that would be. Uh, so four hours and, and nine minutes. Um, when your child makes a piece of art, four hours and a minute. A spouse saying I love you lasts about four hours. Playing with your pet lasts about three hours and 47 minutes. Finding a bargain, shopping about three hours and 39 minutes. Finishing a workout, three hours, 36 minutes. Cleaning or tidying your house, three hours and 36 minutes. I I'm just saying that whatever it is we write down that makes us happy, chances are it's not going to last so let me ask you this morning i want you to answer me who wants to be happy can i see your hand of course we do of course we do so where do we find happiness well i pose that question because god answers it for us would you stand with me in honor of reading god's word psalm chapter one it'll be on the screen if you don't have your bible psalm the book of psalms chapter number one Look, beginning in verse number one, we'll read all six verses. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Thank you. You may be seated. Psalm chapter 1 tells us, what it means to be happy. I don't know. By the way, in most of my sermon illustrations today, I have a baseball theme, so just get used to it. 
One of the greatest catchers of all time for the New York Yankees was a guy named Yogi Berra. And Yogi, Yogi today is not famous really for what he did on the baseball field. He's famous for all the quips and sayings he has. For example, he's the one that said this, it ain't over till it's over. Right? That is so ingrained in our vernacular, but Yogi Bear's the first one that said it. How about this? It's like deja vu all over again. For some of you, I think about that one for a minute. And finally, he said this one time in an interview, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Psalm chapter 1 is a fork in the road. Psalm chapter 1 sets the tone for all of the book of Psalms, all of the book of Proverbs, and really for our entire Bible. In Psalm chapter 1, it is an anonymous psalm. We don't know who wrote it. Most of the psalms we find were written by King David, but we don't know about Psalm chapter 1. It is a fork in the road. Psalm chapter 1 highlights two different paths, two different roads. And we see these two roads all throughout our Bible. We see them all throughout the book of Psalms. We see them all throughout the book of Proverbs. It reminds me a little bit of the two ways. Remember what Jesus said. And by the way, this theme is all throughout scripture. Remember what Jesus said in the gospels, he that is not with me is against me. See, Jesus said there is a fork in the road and you've got to decide what you're going to do. One fork is with me, one fork is not with me. It's like Joshua chapter 24. After Joshua has led the children of Israel into the promised land, as Joshua is given his final sermon, his final speech, he says in Joshua chapter 24, he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Are you going to serve the gods of the culture? Are you going to serve the one true and living God? And he made this statement. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, you are coming where there is a fork in the road. Children of Israel, as I pass off the scene, you have a decision to make. Are you going to serve the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? In other words, the culture. Or are you going to serve the Lord, the one true living God? He said, our mind is made up. I'm going to serve me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. It's the same decision you have to make today. Your happiness depends on what you're deciding to do today. See, for many of us, here's what we want to do. We want a foot in both camps. We want to be a little bit godly and a little bit ungodly. We want to live and believe and think and act and talk like the culture with a side of Jesus to get us through. You'll never be happy that way. So can I walk you through Psalm chapter 1? I want you to keep your Bibles open. I'm, j- I'm just going to take maybe three or four minutes, and I'm going to walk you through this, and I'm going to make three quick observations. Here's the first thing I want you to know. It's in verse number one. He starts off, how happy is the one? Now, depending on your translation, it may use the word blessed. 
Either word is fine. The majority of times in most translations, it is the word happiness. But know this, there is no English word that can convey the totality of the Hebrew word that we find uh, translated happy or blessed in your Bible. Happiness does not cover it. Bless does not cover it. There's not an English word that we can use one-to-one that will describe what the psalmist is talking about. So what does the word happy mean? The word happy there means to your total well-being in every avenue of life. What does that mean? That means I'm happy in my financial life. I'm happy in my family life. I'm happy in my faith life. The word happy there means you lack nothing in any area of life. The word happy means successful. The word happy means satisfied. It's all of those words together wrapped up into one. So there's not a word that we can use. You could say, how satisfied is the one? You could say, how successful is the one? You could say, how full is the one? But happy or blessed is the word we have. Let me just say this. You can go home and dive into the Hebrew all you want, but it at a minimum means happy, blessed, successful, satisfied. Right? That's where we want to be, right? Happy, blessed, successful, satisfied. Happy all the time. Well, the rest of the chapter lays it out. For example, he says in verse number one, he said, don't walk in the advice of the wicked, stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. What more needs to be said? Stay away from sinners. Verse number two, he uses a key preposition there to start off the verse. Instead, he says, instead. His delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates. That that word delight there means, it's a word that means desire. It means you lean in to the word of God. You meditate on the Bible. You speak the Bible to yourself. Verse number three, it says he plants himself where he should be planted. Success follows you planting yourself in the right direction. Verse number four, he now contrasts the other fork in the road he said the wicked don't plant themselves instead they're blown with the wind what do you mean it means whatever the culture says you have to believe is what unhappy people believe right we're seeing it today i i I saw i saw a protest it amazes me the number of people that are protesting in the streets of america pro-Hamas and anti-Israel and and I saw a I saw a um, a sign somebody was walking down the streets of New York with and it said LGBTQ plus supports Palestine ignorance ignorance because in Palestine that person would be beheaded for that Well, so why would they do something so dumb? Because they're blown away with whatever the culture says you got to believe in next. Whatever the culture says you've got to support next. Whatever the culture says has got to be your top in it. Let's just go with that. You'll never find happiness that way. And he says in verse number five that the wicked can't stand the presence of God or godly people. And then verse number six tells us that God has an air tag on you. You you, you ever do that? Like you you do find my 
Every now and then, I, I just like to keep up with my wife. I, I, I'm a fascinated by fine mice. She'll be out showing a house on real estate, and I'm like, yeah, she's in the, she's in the backyard now of that house. Well, it looks like she's getting in her car in the driveway now, and she'll get about 100 yards down the road, and she'll say, I'm on my way home, and here's how I respond. I know. I know. What's what God says? The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He's got, he's got you on heavenly find my angels are watching over you, but the wicked are on their own. In all of that, there's at least three things that he's telling us will bring us happiness in life. I don't care if you're a teenager or you're a senior adult or anything in between, there's three things that are true for you to find happiness. You want to be happy all the time? Let me give you those three things. Number one is this. Don't follow the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. I could have easily said don't follow the culture. It all would have fit. It's all the same thing. Here's what he said back in verse number one. Do not Walk in the advice of the wicked. Do not stand in the pathway with sinners. Do not sit in the company of markers. What are all of those people? The wicked are those who refuse to fear God. The sinners are those who disregard God. The mockers are those who make fun of God. Here's what the psalmist is saying. When it comes to the culture, when it comes to the crowd, don't act like they do. Don't do what they do. Don't think the way they think. Don't talk the way they talk. Don't go where they go. Don't believe what they will believe. Hear me this morning. The crowd will always get you in trouble, and the crowd will always get you doing something. Something crazy. Crazy. And can I tell you, the crowd's unhappy themselves. If you want to find happiness in your life, don't follow them. They'll get you doing dumb stuff. I'm prone, I'm a little bit prone to chase diet fads. Anybody else like that? You know, if somebody, if I look at somebody and you've lost three ounces, I'll be like, now tell me how you did that. Tell me, write it down for me. I want to know. Because I'm prone to change diet fads. We're all that way a little bit. That whatever's hot is what, where everybody goes and do. We see somebody working on somebody. But I've never chased a diet fad crazier than the diet fad I chased in 1990s. And me, all my friends came and said, you've got to try this diet. We're losing all kinds of weight. And it was called the cabbage soup diet. Let's be honest. How many of you have been on the cabbage soup diet? There you go. God bless you. Thank you. I can tell if you're on the cabbage soup diet. You know how? You smell like garlic all day long. You remember the cabbage soup diet? You say, well, what is this cabbage soup diet? I'll tell you what it is. You eat something called cabbage soup all the time. You eat it for breakfast. You eat it for dinner. You can have all the cabbage soup you want. And you can't hardly eat anything else except on day you can eat a banana, but not on day four, and I don't know why. Every now and then you need a piece of boiled chicken, but that's it. And did people lose weight on it? Yes. Yes, but it's the equivalent of saying if you go graze in the front yard, you'll lose weight. 
It is the craziest thing I've ever been on. It is the dumbest thing I've ever been on. It is the smelliest thing I've ever been on. And I'll just be honest, it ain't great for your system either. You know why I did the cabbage soup diet? Because everybody around me was doing the cabbage soup diet. And I thought, well, if they smell like garlic, I can smell like garlic too. But that's the dumb stuff you do when you follow the crowd. Can I tell you something about the crowd? The crowd doesn't know what it's doing. The crowd is never smart. The crowd doesn't know where it's going. Hey, can I tell you this? The crowd doesn't know why it's going. When you follow the crowd, you're going to walk right off a cliff with them. You can't walk with the wrong people and be right in your own life. And can I tell you, the crowd is miserable. When you follow the culture, the culture is miserable. When you follow the crowd, the crowd is miserable. When you take advice from your lost and ungodly co-workers, you're going to be as ungodly and miserable as they are. I I mean, all throughout my ministry, I don't mean to be crude here, but all throughout my ministry, I've done marriage counseling and I've had people come to me and say, well, preacher, here's what I've decided to do. And I'm like, where did you get terrible advice like that? And they said, well, this, this gal at work or this guy at work told me that's what they did. And I said, well, how many times have they been married? And they're like, seven. I mean, I'm not sharpest pencil in the box, but come on, man, you got to do better than that. The crowd is not where we go. We don't follow the crowd because they're unhappy. We don't follow the crowd because they're ungodly. We don't follow the crowd because they don't know what they're doing either. Don't follow the crowd. Number two, you want to be happy? Do follow the commands. Now notice what he goes on to say, beginning in verse number two, that your happiness is found in the Lord's instruction. We would call that the B-I-B-L-E, right? The, the happiness is in uh, the Lord's, uh, here's what, uh, let, me, let me go back, let me see here. Uh, nope. Here's a happy Christian. He is Bible bred. What does that mean? The Bible says this, that we are born again of the incorruptible word of God. That if you are saved, it is because of the Bible. Well, if the Bible saved me, then I am Bible bred. Number two, we are Bible led. You want to be happy? Then you figure out what direction this Bible wants you to go, and you go that direction. Number three, we are Bible fed. That is, we feed ourselves on the Word of God. And as we feed ourselves on the Word of God, we know how to act in our culture. We know what really makes us happy. We take pleasure in the Bible. The Bible should guide your life. The Bible should guard your life. The Bible should grow your life. As we follow the commands of God, and hear me, you will never, ever be happier than when you're following this book. You say, yeah, but but Hollywood says, <laughs> follow, follow the book. Yeah, but Taylor Swift says, <laughs> follow the book. Do follow the commands. Why? Because this Bible is our rule book for happiness. This Bible is our rule book for success. If you want success and satisfaction and happiness and blessing, it only comes through this. 
We like rules in every other area of life. Like we don't mind rules. We're not against rules. What do you mean? You, you like for there to be rules in your sport. I, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how. You go watch college football. And you let your quarterback go back and throw the ball to the, your wide receiver. And then you let the cornerback knock him flat before the ball gets there. You start screaming like a crazy person in your living room. Pass interference, pass interference, pass interference. You know what that is? That's a rule. Listen, you, 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 let me move it back over to baseball. I'm going to talk about baseball a little bit. Move over to baseball, you know what we like? We, we like a consistent strike zone in baseball, right? This little box they put on television, if it's in the box, it's a strike. If it's not in the box, it's not a strike. And you know what happens when an umpire calls it a strike when it's not in the box? We get angry. When he calls it not a strike, when it is in the box, we get angry. Why? We like the rules. That's why we don't mind the rules. As a matter of fact, the most hated Umpire Major League Baseball is a guy named Angel Hernandez. And Angel, if you're watching today, I'm sorry. He ain't liked. I can't stand to see him. When he, when he umpires a Braves game, it is the biggest disaster. As a matter of fact, there is a website called Ump Scorecards. And every game of every team, every night when they play, they put out an ump scorecard on how accurate they were. And on September the 14th, 2023, Angel Hernandez called the worst game in the history of Major League Baseball. I'm sure he broke his own record. But you see this little graph here? I know you can't see it, but you, you see a box on there? This is every call he missed. He only got 84% of the calls right. The average ump gets 92 to 95% of the calls right. I look at this every day because it's just kind of the baseball nerd I am. It's not, often, it's not unusual to see an ump getting 98, 99% of the calls right. But oh, Angel got 84% correct. And you can see all these red dots outside the box are, are balls that he called strikes, and some are inches away. All the green dots are strikes he called balls. You know what this does? It makes us mad. Why? We like the rules to be followed. Because we know when you follow rules, there is success. Can I tell you this? This Bible is your rule book to success. This Bible is your rule book to happiness. Follow it. This just isn't rules. It's the book of, listen, this Bible is your book of success for your family. This Bible is the book of success for your business, for your work, for your relationships, for your spiritual life, for our church. Look at what Proverbs said. I don't have time for all this, but look at what Proverbs said. Proverbs chapter 4. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. Why? They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. You know where you find life? You know where you find health? You find it in the book. You Listen to me, Christian. You can't be happy and be disobedient to this book. Not if you're saved. Every now and then somebody will say, I'm the happiest I've ever been, and they're living in sin. Both things can't be true. 
Because when you live apart from this word of God, the Holy Spirit's job is to make you miserable and to bring you back to this. You want to be blessed? Do follow the commands. Number three, you want to be blessed? Do find what I'll call your consistency. Look at what he says. He contrasts the godly and the ungodly. Here's what he said. Verse number four, the wicked are not like this. They're, they're blown around by the wind. But what, what, what about the prosperous? Verse number three says, here's what the prosperous do. Prosperous are planted by the river of God. What does all that mean? That means happiness, blessing, success, prosperity come through faithfulness. You know why many Christians can't be happy? Because you have not planted yourself in the place where God can bless you. Too many aren't in it long enough to be blessed. You're not planted. You're kind of a drive-by Christian. Well, Lord, I came that one time. Why am I not happy? Lord, I gave that one time. Why am I not happy? Lord, I sung that one time. Why am I not happy? 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 2 says this. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful, that they be planted. Hear me. The truth of the word of God is this. The race is not given to the fastest or the strongest or the smartest. The blessing and success of life is given to those who are just planted in the things of God, who are consistent in the things of God, who are faithful in the things of God. Close your Bibles. I'm finished. I told you I was going to talk about baseball. Let, let me finish up by doing that. You know, it's hard to get into the Hall of Fame. I, I did a little research, and it was a difficult research to do, but I tried to find the shortest career I could find that landed in the Hall of Fame. It was a guy by the name of Candy Cummings who played for one year in 1867. Why is Candy Cummings in the Hall of Fame? Because he is the man that's credited with inventing the curveball. So they dropped him in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's about the only short career I could find, and he invented something that's still around to this day, so we'll give him a pass. When I looked, though, and it took a little digging to do, but when I looked at what is the average Hall of Fame career looks like, here it is. The average Hall of Fame career for a, for a hitter. He played 18 years in Major League Baseball, 2,147 games, 9,051 plate appearances, 2,411 hits, and only 211 home runs. Do you know what makes somebody a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame player? Mainly is that they were consistent for a long time. Not counting this season. 30 players have hit 50 home runs in a season. You know who never did that? Hank Aaron. He never hit 50 home runs. And yet he's the MLB leader in home runs, not counting the cheater. But you know what he was? He was just consistent for a really long time. You know what God's not looking for? If you want to be a Hall of Fame Christian, 
You know what God's not looking for? He's not looking for one season wonders. He is looking for people who will plant themselves in a place of success, that will plant themselves in the habit of godly success, that'll be at church week in and week out. Did you know, I don't have time to get into all this, my time's up, but did you know of the 2,100 people we'll have at church today, did you know only about half those people come 50% of the time? I might be talking about you this morning, huh? Did you know we only have about 380-something people who come 76% of the time or more? Y'all all right? It's fine when I'm talking about them, right? Now it's us. Now, what does 76% of the time mean? It means you're here almost every single Sunday. Hall of Fame Christian is not the one who reads their Bible twice in the year. It's the one who gets up every day and spends time in the Word of God. It's not for the one who can pray for an hour. It's the one that spends time every day in prayer. It's not for the one who lives a perfect life. It's the one that confesses their sin daily and finds their way to obedience every day. It's to the consistent Christian. It's not to the fastest or the smartest or the strongest it's just the one that gets up day in and day out, does what they ought to do. James said this, the book of James says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Consistent. That's where you'll find happiness. Would you stand with me across the room, whatever room you're in, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You want happiness? Of course you do. There's the formula. Don't follow the crowd, get in the Word of God, and find a consistent Christian life day in, day out, day in, day out. Whether you're watching at home, Rossville, Dalton, Rock Spring, wherever you are, it's the only place you'll find happiness as a child of God. You say, preacher, I'm happy and I'm not doing any of that, then you need to be saved. Our pastors up front, wherever you may be, our pastors up front, they'd love to lead you in prayer today and lead you to faith in Jesus Christ and I'm going to invite you to do this that if you'd like to be saved today there's a pastor up front who would love to talk to you all you got to do is take that connection card you've got in your hand walk down the aisle with it and tell them hey here's my name and I want to trust Jesus today I want to be saved maybe you want to join our church come tell a pastor maybe you want to be baptized come tell a pastor whatever spiritual decision you need to make you do it there's a pastor up front their eyes are open they're waiting for you to come our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder how many Christians just need a little more happiness in their life. Have you been getting advice from the wrong places? Have you been ignoring the Word of God and not bathing yourself in the Bible? Could it be that, oh, you're, you're in, but you're not all the way in? That consistency is the missing key in your life. You give, but you don't give a tithe every week in and week out. You come, but you're not here Every now and then you just decide to stay home or do something else or blow it off. I mean, we can go on down the list. You read your Bible, but not every day. You pray, but just sometimes. Oh, the, the key to the Christian life is not a one-hit wonder. The key to the Christian life is day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out. You plant yourself. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message on Psalm chapter 1 that begins with saying, Blessed is the man 
who does, and then it goes on to talk about what the man who's blessed actually does. Now, word blessed, as Pastor Joel already mentioned, it speaks of our happiness. And um, so many times we're searching for things to make us happy when we need to find uh, happiness that comes through relationship with Jesus. And that begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and your sin has separated you from God and there's nothing you can do to fix your problem with sin. You've got to be willing to admit that. And then you've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day to pay the penalty for your sin and close the separation that was created by your sin. And then thirdly, you confess him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you want to give your heart and life to Christ, tell God this, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. And Lord, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, we want to celebrate with you. And so if you would, click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. Um, we are going to um, connect with you. We're going to send you some information to help you take next steps. And we want to celebrate that decision with you. And so click on that link, fill out the form, and we'll get back with you um, this week. Hey, it's been great uh, to worship together this week online. We look forward to our times together each and every week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.